0: When I was a kid and had to race my big brother, I'd ask for a head start so that I had a fighting chance. Well, think about how valuable it would be if you could get a head start when responding to a crisis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 52 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today we celebrate 52 weekly episodes, the end of our first year. And my guest this week is Pete O'Dell, CEO of Swan Island Networks, and we're talking about threat monitoring. Listen as Pete and I discuss the benefits of not flying blind, what it means to be left of boom, the value of integrating technology and your business continuity process, and risk identification and response best practices. We'll get to my conversation with Pete after this update from Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa Jones, co-founder of the Resilience Think Tank. We're committed to ensuring diverse voices are included in making communities and organizations more resilient. We are spotlighting the next generation of resilience professionals. We will share videos, blog posts, and conduct interviews with rising stars in our profession. Also, we will discuss this topic at DRJ Fall 2022 and on the Resilient Journey Podcast. Want to be part of the conversation? Tag us on LinkedIn or Twitter with the hashtag ResilienceThinkTank. You can also contact us at ResilienceThinkTank.com. Pete, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, how about you start us off by telling us a little bit about your background and your role?
1: Uh, great. Thanks, Mark. Um, I am a, I'm the CEO of Swan Island Networks. Uh, and we'll talk a lot more about that, but my background is both business and technical. I came up through the ranks as a developer uh, and then eventually becoming a chief information officer and, uh, and then switched over uh, when I worked at Autodesk in the Bay Area to become a uh, mergers and acquisitions and then CEO of a, a division of theirs and have been on the uh, COO or COO side ever since,
0: so about 20 years. Now, are you one of the founders of Swan Island?
1: I did. I helped found Swan Island in 2002 after uh, 9-11 to help the federal government with some information sharing problems, which they still haven't solved. (laughs) And uh, after about seven or eight years, we uh, we moved away from the government. I left the company, but stayed on the board of directors and then came back uh, about four years ago as the uh, CEO.
0: Let's talk a little bit about something that your company obviously is very good at, and that's threat monitoring. So- Uh, when we think about threat monitoring, what is it that we're trying to accomplish?
1: what well, what you're really trying to accomplish is is not flying blind. So you know when you think about flying an airplane, we think about navigating almost anything, you get this concept of situational awareness, which is you know what's going on around me. You know what could what circumstances are happening? Where am I going? What could change? And how do I make sure that I give myself the, the, the most amount of time to react when something goes wrong? And, and the proactive intelligence that, that we, we provide really is aimed at that. It's finding out emergent threats of things that could be very impactful to the org- organizations that we work with and feeding them that information so that they can take a, a more uh, proactive and, and better response. To those issues, you know, maybe preventing them, certainly mitigating some of the issues, so it's not quite as bad. But then also feeding intelligence into the response that they have to do by being a warm start and being up to date.
0: So, but the but the key here is to have it be meaningful intelligence. And so, what type of information, what type of things, uh, you know, are you recommending that people monitor? Is it like weather, or is it civil unrest, or does it go beyond that, like? T- Fill me in here.
1: It, it's it's unique to each organization. So if, if you're a if you're a single factory in a single state and you don't have a global supplier network, it may be you know weather, local crime, and things that are happening right right in your small city. In other cases, you know, with a multinational company, they've got you know facilities around the world where you know basically the sun never sets on their empire. They have threats coming from a number of different places. And what we typically, you know, work with companies, we're a tactical tool, but we, we, you know, we we advise companies to do, you know, ERM planning to, to look at building a threat matrix, you know, getting the board of directors involved, setting the tone at the top for, you know, we want to be a proactive organization, we want to head off threats at the pass. And protect ourselves as best as possible because we've got people's lives, we've got property, we've got our brand and continuity, all of which depend upon being ready for something bad that that uh, happens. Easy to be ready when something good happens, right? You just break out the champagne. But but you know, getting ahead of the bad things is is really a critical element. And thinking about what those are for your organization is one of the key first steps before you uh, you get involved with a. proactive intelligence capability
0: so before we start thinking about proactive intelligence we actually have to do some planning around that and we have to say okay well what kinds of things are we worried about and that's going to vary from organization to organization and what i like about that is it's no different than what i talk to organizations about when we start thinking about business continuity and resilience and crisis management is that that program needs to fit within the context of the organization to be fit for purpose, and you're recommending the same thing. Yep. Now, when we think about the organization, what are you finding? And and we can talk about your tool now, the the TX360. What are you finding as far as where it lands in the organization? Uh, Does it fall under corporate security? Uh, Does it fall under risk, risk management, the resilience program? What makes sense or does that depend on the organization too?
1: it, it, it does depend on the organization a little bit what, what what we find is for the the organizations that are most prepared, it, it you know this comes down through the, the the c-suite and the board of directors. it's handed to the chief risk officer and then it's delegated down to potentially just security department in other cases, you know to the uh, the corporate risk guys. But, it's, but ultimately, it ends up as a, you know, a tactical tool that you want to deploy, you know, so there, there does tend to be an operational element as well as your strategic element.
0: You've used a phrase with me in a couple of different meetings that we've had, and I like the phrase, you've said left of boom. And that's what this tool is. It's a, it's a tool to uh, be utilized prior to an incident, right, prior to some external event. That's going to land on your doorstep. You want to talk yep. about left of boom a little bit?
1: Sure. So, so the whole the whole idea of left of boom and right of boom, um, you know, there's there's several parallels. But but if you think about boom as a bad thing, right? Oh, and that right. could be a, a that could be a sailboat boom coming at you, right? Knowing it's coming is really a good thing because if you ever gotten hit by one, they they t- tends to be very painful. Um, and you know, you don't see the right of boom in that case because you're probably unconscious. <laughs> but but, it, but but when it's an explosion, when it's a shooting, whether it's a bad weather, whether whether it's a, a critical supplier, has materials out in the middle of the Pacific being held up by a typhoon, any of those things that have a huge impact on your organization. Um, and, and sometimes it's not even huge, right? If the, if the street outside of your uh, facility is suddenly blocked by a three-car accident and everybody's knocking it to work for an extra hour, that can be impactful as well. So it does become situational. And you can take those you know you can take those incidents as the sooner you know about them the uh, the better. And then you know and then in fact we that's where we spend most of our focus is is reporting things that are coming. but at the same time during a an extended event like a hurricane or, or other things, we also provide ongoing intelligence about what's going on inside of a major event and we can feed that on a very smooth basis to the tools you use for response and and crisis uh, communications.
0: We're going to talk about that integration here in a minute, but I want to just share with the listeners, I've been running a demo of the tool for about the last week or so. And just yesterday, I was able to leverage it to communicate with leaders in Europe about a situation that was unfolding there that they weren't aware of. They were tied up in all-day meetings, And one was a labor dispute that was going to affect their business. And I let them know. And then we also have some flooding in the UK. uh, And that was actually today. And I was able to proactively check in with people who were there. They were fine. Uh, But it uh, it gave them a level of reassurance to know that somebody back here was monitoring their situation and was ready to jump in and help. And that kind of goes to my next question. Uh, you have a blog on your website in which you say, if you don't have an umbrella, don't. why check the weather? And I think that's, that's very clever. I, I really like that. And in that article, you talk about having a well-developed risk identification and response capability. And that's the key. That's what I want to leverage right now. That threat monitoring tool is the first part of that, that risk identification part. But it's the integration with business continuity or crisis management that's the back end. And that's got to be done too. So talk a little bit about that integration, whether it's from a system integration standpoint or just from a program and process integration standpoint.
1: Well, the, the integration starts, again, with the people, right? The tools are, the tools are we have a great tool. But but you still have to have you know if you, you know if we're a hammer you got to have a nail to hit right and and you got to define you know what are you trying to nail down so you know in a in in most of the companies we work with they have this well developed sense of you know bad things that can happen the resources that they have available to them inside the company the different areas of response that that they need to take the communication flow and so we help enable that at the front end to say something's coming you know, get ready. And we, we, and we, we call it kind of the blue sky, gray sky, black sky day, right? Blue sky day, you know, which is everything is, everything's good. We're just looking out over the horizon. Everything's fine. We're sailing away. But then on a gray sky day, it's like, wow, we got, we got a hurricane that's coming towards three of our facilities, or we've got an incredible heat wave happening in our, in our Portland facility that may, you know, may overload some of our electrical needs. So, suddenly you can take this integrated response with the people using tools that they've used every day in kind of this continuous um, emergency cycle, right? It's like it's, it's not something you pull out of the drawer every 18 months. It's something you're using every day. So a continuous event management, if you want to call it that, um, it gives you the ability that you're using the same response capabilities, the same people. You're just amping it up when something, you know, big, big happens. And then you pull out some additional capabilities, which is, you know, who do I have out there that I can pull in as a surge resource, you know, who I have on standby that I can, that I can use if I need extra, um, extra electricity because of the way tools like ours are cloud-based suddenly being stuck in one facility doesn't become a, a limiter, right? It's like, oh, the computers are here, therefore the people that run the response system have to be here, but well, we can we can operate anywhere out of the cloud. And so suddenly that the old idea that every disaster is local goes away, and suddenly it's like, oh, I've got to switch to my backup facility in London. I've got to move my response team to the guys in, in Australia because my facility is completely out of power, but I'm able to do that um, collectively. And even, I, even on the my local facility, the ability to keep up power and comms is becoming increasingly better as from a resilience standpoint with things like SpaceX and, you know, small generators and, and those types of things.
0: And so if my colleagues are listening, they're in the business continuity or resilience world and their responsibility uh, involves that type of thing at their organization, instead of being completely reactive, as traditionally we have been using tools like this could really help us to be more proactive and, and to get a jump start uh, on our response. And I think you talk about that in one of your blogs uh, in, I think you have one that's called 10 reasons why you need, you know, this, uh, this type of a program. And one of the things that you talk about, and I'll get you to elaborate on it here is the value of having that extra time. You're not just, waiting for boom you're you're actually left of boom you're ahead of it talk about the value of that extra time
1: well when you think about the titanic when the guy went to bed thinking there were no icebergs out there um, you know it, it shows you you know you, flying blind is terrible but having actually you know e- even even on a um, you know I'll give an example with a new piece of technology that that's going to change the security world over the next three or four years which is intelligent video So if I've got intelligent video, a a computer-aided camera that knows how to detect things like license plates and uh, weapons, right, suddenly I'm, I'm in my security command center and I get an alert integrated into our tool because we tend to be a collection point for a lot of different systems that says, hey, you know that marketing guy who got fired last week and threatened the department? Well, he just drove into the parking lot. Just just so you know. And then, you know, 45 seconds later, there's another alert. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, I told you about that guy. He's that he got out of his car and he's got a, a long weapon in you know his hands. So so suddenly that, even just that couple of minutes of now, God, you know, somebody locked the front door and and somebody calls SWAT and let, you know, let's take this to the parking lot as opposed to having my traditional video management system, which is, oh, I've got high definition video of all of our people being shot in the lobby. You know, right. it's the, that proactive time. I mean, that's just a a binary, right? It's like, oh, I've got time to react to somebody coming into my building with a shooter versus nobody nobody saw it coming. And and there's so many examples of that where extra time just makes a huge difference.
0: I, I really like that. And, and being proactive, obviously so much more advantageous but I want to talk about process around that, because it's easy to overreact when you see an alert, and so you still have to have that practice and that training to say, okay, uh, to use your example, um, and, and maybe that's a the most flag one of the most flagrant examples you can have is a guy's coming back, obviously, uh, in a revenge plot type of situation, uh, but to be able to use the information effectively, to be able to respond to it properly. And in that case, respond immediately. But in other cases, just be put on alert and to be aware of it, but not necessarily go all chicken little all the time here either, right? So talk a little bit about proper response and proper reaction when you see something like that.
1: Well, it goes, it goes back to planning. So, you know, it goes back to, you know, let's think about this. Um, You know, we we integrate with a tool called in case of crisis, which has emergency playbooks. And so you, you may get an alert that says, oh, there's a there's there's a tornado watch. Right. Uh, it's not imminent, but it's a watch. So you pull out the playbook and it goes, now here, here's the way you you monitor that situation. We want to dedicate somebody to that, not just listening to the alerts we send, but also to the radio, those types of things. And so, you know, th- that extra time again allows you to pull out a you know, pull out a plan and start thinking through a rational method of assessing, you know, where you are, what are you gonna do, what resources do you have available to you, versus oh, I, I, you know, I had a blindfold over my face. I just got punched. All I can do is try to punch back or run, right? I don't have a lot of responses because I don't have enough info to make that uh, make that response.
0: So what we're really talking about is raising the bar, elevating the maturity of the program and getting an earlier start on the response rather than waiting for it to happen. Yep. Just two more questions and then I'll get you out of here. The first question that I have is talk about the appropriate size of an organization to be using tools like this. It's not just enterprise. It's not just 40,000 employee companies, but talk about how small and medium sized businesses can leverage this as well.
1: It, it uh you know, having a program where you're monitoring for, you know, for bad things really can happen at the smallest of, of businesses. Right. So, um, you know, we tend to support, you know, medium and large scale and very large scale companies with, with our technology. Um, but, you know, the, we, we, we give frequent seminars and webinars on open source information sources that you can very easily collect, even as a small business and monitor for, you know, what are the key things, right? There are, you know, there are tweet streams of most 911s. And so if, you know, if there's a shooting down the street, and you see that, you know, you can go lock your front door right there. It's getting better every year, especially with things like interoperable data. Um, Common alerting protocol from the um, OASIS is a standard. been picked up by a number of alerting organizations like the National Weather, the World Meteorological Society, you know, FEMA, USGS. And so suddenly getting these standard alert packets of information Gives, gives people a whole set of ways to subscribe to multiple different feeds. Now, you now doing that in a large organization where everybody's Googling what's going on tends to be incredibly expensive and, and a hidden cost. So if you take a big organization and everybody's spending 30 minutes a week Googling bad stuff that could happen, you'd be far better off going with a formal program like ours just from a sheer economies of scale and the fact that you've probably got people covering a much higher percentage of the things that could happen.
0: Yeah, you have a multi-source feed coming in, uh, and I know just from looking at the the trial this week, multi-source feed, whether it's weather or news or you know live feeds or whatever it turns out to be. Yeah. All right, hey, I'll get you out of here on this. This is a an interesting topic. People might want to know more. They might want to talk to you. How can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, people can go to our website, Swan Island. Uh, networks.com they can uh, email me at pete.odell at swan um and uh you know very easy for us to, to get a
0: hold of us let me just call that out Pete because it's a different domain right it's it's Swan but your email is net. yes Pete
1: Odell at swan all right
0: and
1: uh but very e- very easy to find us and uh you know, we uh, we do, uh, as you mentioned, we do pilots of our software. We tend to be very easy to do business with relative to some of our uh, erstwhile competitors.
0: Pete, it's been uh, really interesting to have you here. Thanks for being a guest on The Resilient Journey. And thanks for doing what you do to give us that head start, that left of boom. So thanks for being here. All
1: right. Super. Great seeing you.
0: I want to thank Pete O'Dell for joining me this week and for discussing the value of proactive threat monitoring. Thanks, as always, to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the Resilient Journey podcast. Stay in touch with the Think Tank at ResilienceThinkTank.com. I also want to thank everyone from all of the guests who are on the podcast and all of the listeners for making this first year such a huge success. I can't believe we're at the end of the first year already. We'll keep the interesting guests coming. So join us, won't you? as we continue our resilient journey.